Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, welcome back for our third edition here of the SEC football show. Um, I keep saying that I'm going to stop counting, but I guess I haven't stopped counting yet. So you guys keep tuning in. We'll keep counting. But this is TJ Pittenger, your host, joined as always by Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. Chris, how's it going, man? I am doing great. Another uh, another week closer to the start of playing time during football season. So can't wait to break down sec football with you again yeah it's nice having that week zero it's also nice when your team doesn't play week zero and your two biggest rivals play it because you're kind of a winner either way you know yeah my team cannot lose in week zero so um yeah no it should be exciting to break it down hey before we get started i wanted to mention this chris and i were talking on sunday night and just kind of came up well you came up with the idea and we put it in action um, started two new podcasts. If we weren't doing enough for you, we got two new ones coming out. We released them today. So we record this on Tuesday. We released them Tuesday morning on the big three roll up channel. We've got Chris Landry's pro football show. We've got Chris Landry's college football show, kind of an overview of both. I know we do our conference breakdowns. We've got all five conference shows that we've been pushing and plugging, but this is kind of a high level overview of college football, then the same thing for the NFL. It's going to drop every Tuesday and Thursday. We just did this week on Tuesday. Hope to have those channels set up so that you can go and listen and subscribe and rate and review if we're doing a good job. We'll have the Twitter accounts posted and everything. But the, the plan was hatched on Sunday night, and so we needed a place to put those podcasts out this week. So we put them on the Big Three Roll-Up channel. You can go check them out. Again, Chris Landry's pro football show, Chris Landry's college football show. Really good stuff on there. Um, Again, the Tuesday-Thursday thing is going to be really good because we're going to be able to review the games that happen over the weekend on Tuesday and then preview on Thursday. I know there's Thursday night football both in college and the pros, and so that'll be really good. But we're going to do Tuesday-Thursday all year, not just in season. So look forward to that. Glad that Chris is – um, added a couple more podcasts to do. And so really looking forward to those, but wanted to mention them before we got started. Are you excited to do those, Chris? 
Yeah, I am. We can take a look at college football from a national perspective in kind of an overview. We tend to get down deep and detailed into each conference podcast, so it's the best of both worlds. And obviously, with my background and years as coaching, scout in the NFL, and uh, love the pro game as well. And uh, I know that there's a lot of fans that like the pro game as well. So a great opportunity to get an in-depth uh, inside the film room breakdowns of uh, the pro game as well. So I think we've got it covered for all the great uh, fans uh, of football that uh, are so passionate. For sure. Uh, I like – I've tweeted this from the Big 3 Roll-Up account today. It, it, we are quickly and, – and you've got a lot to do with it. Obviously, we kind of had the things that we started from this perspective. But I don't know – if you're a college football fan – and quickly becoming the same way as an NFL fan. I don't know why there's anywhere else to go for coverage right now between what Landry football does and what the big three roll up network does. I'm really proud of this partnership. I really appreciate you joining the team and working with us, but between those two places, I know there's a lot of good resources out there. I'm not telling you you can't go check those out, but I don't know that you need to. I know that there's a lot being covered here. And so I'm really proud of what we're able to do on a week in and week out basis. It takes a lot of work. So for the people that do really appreciate it and do kind of support what we're doing, we, we, we really thank you because there's a lot that goes into it. And so I'll get out of my feelings here in a second. We'll get into the sec, but it's been good stuff so far. So I, I appreciate you, Chris. And I appreciate us doing this. Well, I don't think people realize how difficult it is. You're the brains behind the operation, getting it all together. I'm just a football guy that, uh, you know, hoping to bring a, a perspective to the fan bases out there from a coaching and a scouting perspective that's a little different. And everybody has their own niche, and you got to be who you are. And, you know, my background is as a coach and as a scout. So we want to take you inside the film and tell you why, and not concerned about who wins games, but wanting to to uh, explain the game and uh, inform and and uh, hopefully educate and make the game a better viewing experience. And so I, I can't do it unless there's a forum to do it and people behind the scenes that are making it work. So uh, keep that in mind out there that uh, we appreciate you. And it's just an honor to be working and uh, be uh, working with you and uh, being a part of this great project that we're so excited about. Cool. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Well, the people want to hear a little bit about this SEC, this Southeastern Conference. What's going on? What's the latest news going on? Well, you know, the uh, off-again, on-again saga of Calvin Joseph. Uh, he's going to leave and go into the transfer portal from LSU. He's going to get out of the portal. Back in, back out, back in. He had a nice visit with Florida this past weekend. I think that's where he's going to end up. Don't know. Wouldn't want to bet a nickel on what Kelvin's going to do. But uh, it's a really good corner, long LSU, typical LSU corner. Would be a great get for the Florida Gators. Already have a nice secondary, but going forward would be a really good get for them. Uh, that's the latest. And other transfer news, uh, Yabi Anoma who's a really highly regarded and well-deserved uh, regarded prospect uh, pass rusher. Last year is a, two, is a 6'5", 245-pound sophomore from Alabama, formerly of Alabama now. He did not enroll at Alabama. The final uh, enrollment was Monday. Uh, did not enroll. It looks like he's taking his visits, and I hear that Maryland – and reuniting with Mike Loxley, he is a Baltimore-area kid, may make the most sense. So we'll track that for you, not only here, but over at LandryFootball.com, where we have a notebook every day that keeps you up to date on things like this, 
uh, movements, recruiting, you name it, film room nuggets. Uh, so you want to check out that. But those are two interesting nuggets that have taken place uh, here over this next last few days. For sure. So what about recruiting? Let's get into recruiting. What's what's going on there? And we'll go we'll go with that. Well, interesting week. Georgia got a verbal from a really good offensive tackle, Chad Lindbergh, 6'6", 297. Of course, Georgia's got as good an offensive line as there is in the country and led by Coach Sam Pittman, who does a great job. They're going to lose some of those guys. This guy comes in and, uh, and, and, and certainly helps them. Kentucky getting a verbal from Carrington Valentine, a uh, three-star corner, six foot 180, Archbishop Moeller High School in Cincinnati, uh, played wide receiver. Good get for Kentucky, the type of guy they like to build. Uh, Arkansas going in with John Chavis having the background in Knoxville. Went in and got a couple of good kids that he likes on the defensive side of the ball. Tyrese Edwards, three-star defensive end, 6'3", 240, um, along with his teammate, uh, Drew Francis, um, who is a, a, a really good-looking athlete that I can play in the secondary, physical guy. Um, I think he's going to be an outside backer once he finishes growing. But um, the connection there, Tennessee wasn't as high on him. We'll see if Arkansas – has something that they uh, that uh, that they can work with on the defense that need as many playmakers as they can. There, Ole Miss gets a verbal from uh, three-star athlete Jabari Small, five ten one ninety, good all-purpose back from Memphis. Tennessee gets a verbal from Jalen uh, Hyatt, a receiver, good undersized guy, but got really good speed. Uh, Auburn. We're going to talk about today. Got a verbal commitment from three-star tackle Jeremiah Wright. Physically good-looking run blocker. Can play tackle or guard. Can run his feet in the run game like him. And then A&M continues with their great recruiting class. Gets a verbal from an underrated guy. He's a local kid from A&M Consolidated High School, uh, Devin Price. LSU, some good news on Friday as they got a verbal, another verb, or excuse me, a, can you call it a reverbal? I don't know how, I'm going to invent words here. Jacqueline Roy, really good defensive tackle, local kid, committed to LSU quite a bit ago from September to March, then backed out of his commitment, considered Alabama, considered A&M, recommitted to, to LSU. So great get for them, 6'4", 289. LSU's done a really good job recruiting in the secondary they're good up front defensively, but they're not like great like they have been. They need more guys like this. This was a must get for LSU. TJ, that's a rundown of recruiting here over the past several days. Yeah. Well, let's get into our team breakdowns. Before I forget this, next week, well, I'll say this week we're going to do who? Tennessee, South Carolina, and Auburn. Next week, we're going to do Florida, LSU, and Texas A&M. And then the last week, we'll do Alabama and Georgia, right? We'll do our big dogs. So let's get into it. Let's let's talk a little bit about Tennessee football. Well, you know, I think Jeremy Pruitt obviously coming in with uh, maybe some culture change um, issues that he had to deal with early, trying to develop um, better talent at the line of scrimmage. With this program, I, I think they've got some skill position players. They don't have enough of them. Um, I expect them to be a little bit more consistent on offense this year. Um, Garantano has got enough experience. I think they can do more with them, put more on his plate. 
I like the addition of Jim Chaney as the offensive coordinator. This was one of these things that I think can help out both. I think Georgia was looking to maybe move on and maybe do a little bit something different, but I think he's just what the doctor ordered in Knoxville. I think Jim Chaney is a really good play caller. He doesn't stray too far away from understanding the run game concepts and what it can do to build out your offense, and I think he's going to work to try to get the ball out quickly in the passing game. So I like the move. Uh, I think the receivers um, are really good. Marquez Callaway, Josh Palmer, I should help. Uh, I think can be good outside receivers. Juwan Jennings coming back is big. Uh, listen, they've got a lot of athleticism. There, there's no question about it. Um, I, you know, it's just can they play well enough at the line of scrimmage? The line wasn't good last year. They, they you know, they played corners at freshman. They've they just they couldn't do enough in their nickel package. They're, they're not as talented. So recruiting um, has been the real key. You know, everybody's asking me, you know, well, when is Tennessee going to get back and compete in the East? Hey, got to beat Vanderbilt first. You know, you got to take care of business and consistently beat Vanderbilt, Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri. You do that and become the consistent third best team in the East. Then you're making progress. Look, I think. You know, Chandler is a big play threat at running back. I think they've got a good player there. I think Garantano made some plays last year. I think they've got a chance to be good at the skill position. Um, on defense, uh, Taylor and uh, Batuli are good players. You don't have enough of those guys, but they those are good. I think the secondary could be better with Worry and Bryce and Thompson and Taylor. Um, you know, the the offense ranked in the bottom three in in scoring and in rushing, I think they're getting better on the offensive line, but I worry about their depth. I worry about their depth and quality on the defensive line. So, look, I think they're going to be improved. How much? I don't know. They've played poorly the past three years up front. Uh, I think that'll be better. I don't know that it's going to be much better. You start looking at their schedule and, you know, making some decisions about where this season may go. I think it's going to start off well. Obviously, there'll be 3-0 and Georgia State. BYU's not what historically BYU has been in the past. They're down a little bit. I think they're 3-0. and Then I think the the uh, the rubber meets the road. At Florida, <laughs> tough stretch at Georgia, it's yeah. going to be tough. I think Mississippi State is probably um, – you know, a, a, a bigger challenge, you know, than maybe most might think. People think, well, that's a that's a win there. No, I don't know. I think that's a big question mark game. I think South Carolina is a question mark. I think UAB will be a challenge. They won't get a lot of credit for that win. I think the key is to start off well and to finish well. I think there's seven wins if they take care of business against UAB go on the road and beat Kentucky as they should. Missouri right now has a little bit better advantage at the line of scrimmage. Can they go on the road and win that game? That would be huge. And you got to beat Vanderbilt at home. So, I mean, I think there's six wins. There could be seven, assuming they take care of their business, win the first three. Uh, If you can beat a South Carolina, beat a Mississippi State to boot, great. But, you know, they've not fared very well. Will has had a lot of success against Tennessee. I, I don't see Florida, Georgia, and Alabama are attainable. I think 
being competitive and showing a lot of fight and grit in those games are going to be key. But I just I, I, I want to see how they respond depth-wise towards the end of the year. That's ultimately going to determine whether they can go on the road and beat Kentucky, go on the road and beat Missouri. I like their chances against Kentucky and, and at home against Vanderbilt better than I do at Missouri. I think Missouri right now is a better team, and I think that Missouri might be the third-best team in the East this year. We'll see. I think the schedule shapes up well. They could be this year's Kentucky, but I think Tennessee is on the right track. I think Jeremy's building a solid foundation. They have been very, um, well, inconsistent at Tennessee because there's been, it's been a lot of turmoil there administratively. I think Jeremy's a good coach. I think he's a good recruiter, but you know, the reality is you're looking way up, definitely way, way up at Georgia and you're looking up at Florida. And I think those places not only have resources and better talent, but I think they have better coaches and I think Jeremy's really good, but that is the challenge going forward is to kind of take the baby steps, get a little bit better and uh, we'll see where it goes. But I think if they can work their way back, get to a bowl game, um, that would be a positive step and work their way back towards getting at least third best in the uh, East right now. You got to look and say, you know, South Carolina's got some players and better at the line of scrimmage, and Missouri's better at the line of scrimmage. So Tennessee's got some work to do, and that's kind of how I see it. Where uh, let's take let's take Alabama and Georgia out of it completely. Where's the best chance for an upset with this team uh, in the swamp at home against South Carolina and at Missouri? What's the most likely out of those three? Well. I'm going to say South Carolina, although you can look at history and say Will's won. I would say that at home. Um, now, again, that's after Alabama. Okay. So how they come out of that game and how beat up, that, that could change my mind on that. But I would say off the, uh, uh, off the top of my head, South Carolina at home would give them the best chance. Um, you know, again, we're talking about it now as we're headed towards August. We don't know the health in, in November. That could change things. But I would say South Carolina, I, I, I still think that there's a, a chance at home to be able to put together a really good performance. But uh, for them, I, uh, you know, probably not the ideal situation to be coming off the Alabama game. Sometimes Alabama beats you twice, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Whew. I, I mean, yes, I do. They beat us five times last year or two years ago. So yeah, they sure um, did. That's a, that's so, a great point. Boy, they that really, yeah. they sent that they sent that thing in a spiral in more ways than one. Yeah, I uh, I was a little bit shook. By the way, by the way, tell tell our listeners who don't know who's when you say us, you're talking to it's TJ saying us. Tell them who us is, and that would be you. Uh, but, but tell them who us is for TJ for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're making it even worse now. You're cutting that, cutting <laughs> put that salt even deeper. No, I'm a Florida state fan grew up. Uh, my, my, all of my family was, was big Florida state fans. I didn't go there. I went to Liberty university in Virginia. So big shout out Hugh freeze and hopefully we'll have a good year there. But, uh, yeah, just grew up a big Florida state fan. Um, you know, I've uh, supported them and been to a ton of games, over the last few years, kind of once I grew up and had had my own money to go to games and stuff, and so have met a lot of really good people up there, had a really good time. I've got a little one at home who's 
turning a year old the day after uh, the week zero games. And so I don't make it to as many games, but uh, still enjoy them and uh, still have a good time uh, rooting on the Knowles. Hopefully it, it gets a little better. That two-year tailspin that Alabama put us in hasn't hasn't been the most fun. But, uh, yeah, so – but yeah, going back to what you're asking, yeah, sometimes the one loss to, to Alabama can turn into two, you know, based on, you know, how beat up you are coming out of it. Um, it's tough to tough to beat them, and then just tough to to play after playing them. So definitely will be interesting to see what Tennessee does. I think you're right though. Pruitt was in Tallahassee. Um, we we liked him there. He did a good job. Coached on a national championship team. We we liked Pruitt a ton, and I think he's. I think he's doing a good job. I, like, it's just tough. Like you said, it's tough knowing that Florida and Georgia are pretty far ahead of you. Missouri's probably ahead of you. South Carolina's probably ahead of you at this point. Oh yeah. And your locked in opponent from the other side is Alabama. So it's a tough, it's a tough slate, but we'll kind of see what they can do over the next couple of years. They've largely been irrelevant for the last 20 years. And so I, you know, I know they've still got a really strong fan base, and they've got a lot of support there. Not much else to do in Knoxville, but uh, we'll we'll kind of see if Pruitt can continue to get them to trend in the right direction. Which I, I like Jeremy Pruitt, and I liked him at Florida State, and so kind of like you said, I, I kind of hope everybody does well. But I, I hope he can do well because because I, I like him as a coach, and and we'll kind of see and play it by ear. So. We've talked a lot about them. South Carolina. They're, they're another team that we're going to break down today. What are your thoughts there? You know, I, I wonder if they can get a little bit of that break from the injury bug. Listen, everybody deals with injuries, some more than others. It's just kind of the, the buzzards luck of football. But um, they really got banged up down the, the stretch last year. I like what Will has done with putting, you know, some good recruiting classes together. A little bit perplexing that they've been not uh, able to find that special type of running back, particularly with their emphasis on that. Um, but staying healthy would be would be key. They've got, shoot, the, may, the most experienced quarterback in the league in terms of a guy that started a bunch and seen, been there, done that, Jake Bentley is that type of guy I, you know, people will talk, well, he's a mistake machine. Well, he is, he is because they've been down in games and they've had to kind of put it on his back. And when you get down and you get aggressive, you're going to make more mistakes. So that's been a part of it. I thought, um, losing Debo Samuel and, um, you know, not having a running game. Those are issues. Uh, they don't have anybody at receiver that's quite like that. Debo's special player, no doubt. But I, I think Dan Warner will be a good fit for Bentley. Um, uh, you know, he's, I, I think he's going to change up their passing game a little bit. They just need to. They just need to run the football better. And and I don't see TJ a, a back that just excites me. It's going to have to be by committee. Rickle Daldell, AJ Turn. I mean, they're 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 not special backs, and so. Uh, you know, mentioned, um, you know, that Feaster uh, in our ACC show, I talked about, you know, Tavian Feaster's left Clemson. We thought he was going to go to either South Carolina or Virginia Tech with South Carolina being the leader. He is going to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Um, 
I, they've got a really good offensive lineman in Zach Pickens who could start right away, start early. That was a big get for them. They're pretty talented up front. I think defensively they've got a good rotation on the defensive line. Love Javon Kinlaw. Uh, they can stay healthy. He's, a he's I think, very, very underrated, one of the better defensive linemen in the country. Um, they – a couple of things just jump out at me. I, I'm going to repeat it again. For Will and, and knowing Will – Guys, helping him get his first job in coaching um, as a GA. I, I, I just, I know what he wants. I know what he believes. I, they don't run the football well enough. And my goodness, they don't defend the run as well as I think they should. And that just perplexes me with knowing Will and knowing how he emphasizes it. So they didn't tackle well, well last year. I thought the backers were out of position a lot. Uh, they're, they've got some talent and they've done some things in recruiting, but you know, they just haven't done as good a job doing the little things as well as they need to do it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. It's a veteran offense. They got a lot of the defense coming back. Um, stay healthy. Who knows what can happen? Um, they finished in the bottom three in the sec and rushing in each of the past three years. That just really surprises me. And they left spring practice without some answers at the running back position. Despite having three seniors on the roster, that tells you right there. It gives you the answer. They, the ability to force turnovers could be, you know, an issue again. They were not been able to do that. So, look, I mean, um, they have the defense to do some of the things that Will likes to do. I want to see them fundamentally do a little bit better job with their gap fits being in better position. Cause I think they've got some guys that can run and hit you and hurt you. Um, they look a little bit better coming off the bus than they do going back onto the bus after the game, because they just don't perform as well as I think they should. Um, they got four teams that finished in the top seven in the final rankings last year. You're going to talk about schedule talk, you know, Auburn's got a big one. We'll get into that. Um, A&M's got a tough schedule. How about Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida? How about that? I mean, there's, there are three teams that, you know, unless one of those teams, Clemson, Alabama, or Georgia just completely stubs their toe. You're not winning. Even if you play your best game, Florida is going to be challenging. I mean, you look at their schedule. I mean, seven and five would be a good year. Start off in Charlotte against North Carolina. Then you got Charleston Southern. You win those games. You got Alabama um, at home. Yeah, I get it. Last time Alabama went into South Carolina, Steve Spurrier pulled the upset. I get it. Ain't happening this year, folks. Going to Missouri, going to be a challenge. Maybe you can win that game if you do that. And that's a big if. You've heard me say that's a game that, look, I mean, they've just not been able to finish against those guys. Probably could beat them, should beat them. We'll see. Kentucky should win that. At Tennessee, again, question mark game. Vanderbilt, question mark game, but should win it. Appalachian State, that's no gimme. Um, Eli Drinkwich is in, in, in um, uh, is, is, you know, uh, taking over an established program at that level. At AM, at Clemson, dude, I mean, that, that's their five losses any way you look at it in my mind, even if they do everything right. Um, that just means that that's seven wins if they go on the road and beat Tennessee, if they go on the road and beat Missouri. So 
I, I can already see the narrative. You know, people look at the record and look at it and say, well, uh, hey, should this or that. I don't know that there's uh, – I don't think there's eight wins on this schedule. I Like I said, I I don't see A&M winning more than eight. I don't see South Carolina winning more than seven. In fact, I'll say it. Roster-wise, that's about their ceiling in my mind, and if they achieve over that, that's great for them, and it probably means they're catching somebody in a vulnerable spot due to unforeseen circumstances at this point. Yeah. For sure. Well, it's you know it's it's just interesting to see because like you said, start out two and zero. Probably, you know they did beat Missouri last year, but probably go two and two, then beat Kentucky, but then probably lose to Georgia, right? So they're three and three. I, I think Florida is a better team than them. That said, they did have a seventeen point lead and the ball last year mm-hmm. against Florida, and mm-hmm. and then uh. Uh, turnover happened and the turnover was upheld, not confirmed. I, I thought that if it would have been, if he'd been called down or backwards pass, whatever the turnover was, it would have kept it. I remember thinking right there, that was a big play that was going to change the game. Florida does end up coming all the way back and winning it. So it's like they could beat Florida, but, but do they, um, especially coming off that Georgia week, um, you know, you beat Tennessee, you're sitting at four and four, right? And you probably win the next two and then lose the last two. So I really feel like they're uh I feel like their schedule's six and six unless they can pull an upset. You know, if they can beat a Missouri, beat a Florida, beat a Texas A and M, if they can win one of those three, I, I think they're good. They they play the top three teams in the country. I mean, they play yes. Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. That's brutal. And then they play you know, Texas A&M and Florida, who are also top 10 teams. I, I don't think A&M's record will be there because of how tough their schedule is, too. But my goodness, what a just an absolute murderer's row of a schedule. We talk about Texas A&M's schedule, and we'll get into them next week. And we've talked about how tough it is. But does South Carolina have the toughest schedule in, in college football? Well, both of them play, again, the three best teams in the country, and then they play one another. So it's very comparable. Um, and I think South Carolina yeah. also having to have Florida. Yes. yes makes it tough, which yeah. A&M has LSU. So I, Correct. I, you can, yeah. I just think A&M is better than South Carolina. So that's what makes yes. Carolina's schedule tougher. Yeah. It, and it I think the, the UNC game to start the year – is tougher than A&M's other out-of-conference game, right? Like, they both play Clemson, but I think UNC – who who does A&M have kind of in that UNC spot? Um, uh, they they Well, I mean, they don't. I mean, they, they, uh, they got Clemson early, and South Carolina, are, yeah. South Carolina has them at the end of the year when they normally do. No, it's – it, it, I think I think you hit it. I think that it is probably a little bit more daunting for South Carolina uh, because I think that you know A and M's a little better, and, and certainly in some areas, some areas not so much. But I think they're a little bit better, um, quite frankly. And uh, so I, I think there's there's a chance that that A and M could maybe end up like I said eight and four, whereas South Carolina I think seven and five would be really good. Really good, and as you said, maybe six and six is more reality. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, before we get to Auburn, I want to bring on a guest. Um, 
if we can, for just a moment, we've got Jason Caldwell with Inside the Auburn Tigers, um, Undercover Auburn, going to come on and chat with, with us about them a little bit. Let's grab him real quick. Let's get him on the show, and then we'll kind of hear your breakdown of Auburn. After that, we'll wrap up the show. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right, perfect. Well, back on the SEC football show, we've got a special guest, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers, uh, AU Tigers, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, Going to break down a little Auburn football with us. Jason, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm good, guys. How about y'all? Pretty good. No complaints. We're on podcast number two of the day. Chris actually does about 17 of them a day, so uh, <laughs> we're grinding, man. We're, we're doing well. I'm really excited about talking to, to you, the Auburn Tigers, though. I, I think it's one of the fascinating storylines, Jason, of the year. Um, you know, I, I look at this team. I like it a lot. Spent some time there um, at the coaches in the spring. And just, just like their team speed, think their defensive line is really good. I think the secondary is a lot better than people know. Uh, you know, I just – it is amazing, though, the expectation level. And I understand, and you can get into it, uh, I want you to. I know the frustration level uh, fans and a lot of the boosters have with Gus. But can you imagine being in a situation where uh, you, you better win? I don't know. You can tell me. And what's going to satisfy the fan bases? Winning 10 games? Think about this. Add, all you got to do is go on the road and beat AM, go on the road and beat Florida, go on the road and beat LSU, which you haven't done since 99. And then, oh, yeah, beat a little team across the state of Alabama. I mean, <clears throat> you, you go eight and four, you've had a pretty dark going good season. Probably not going to be good enough, will it? I think it all depends on how it goes down. Uh, I really do. You know, playing a, a couple of freshman quarterbacks and, and, you know, redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood, true mm-hmm. freshman of Bo Nix, those are your two quarterbacks. And you mentioned, the lines of scrimmage are going to be really important for this team, those veteran guys. And I think it's one of those situations where you look at it and it kind of depends on how this season goes. If you, you struggle early on, which it could happen with a young quarterback, uh, but if you start to put it together and you play well down the stretch and hey, you've got Georgia and Alabama at home, um, if you do what you did a couple of years ago and, and beat both those teams at home to go eight and four in the regular season and finish on a note with a, with a freshman quarterback, it has a much different feel than an eight and four season where you kind of limp home to the finish. And so yeah, good, I think good it all point. depends on how this, I think all, all depends on how this season plays out against, I mean, there's a couple of teams that can argue, but I don't know that many teams have want to trade schedules or what Auburn has to face this year. <laughs> no, no question. Do you think how, how much of a factor, obviously with the president stepping aside and for people who don't know, he was the guy that, basically got this contract done for Gus Malzahn with Jimmy Sexton doing a great job. Real, uh, I think there was some legitimacy to the interest by Arkansas. We'll never know how much, but that was a big, you know, leverage play and didn't want to lose him without an athletic director as the president. Now that he's gone, does there, uh, um, for lack of a better term, a, a lack of a security blanket for Gus, I know you mentioned how it looks. That's going to be a big factor. But if it's if it's clear, I mean, if it's clear he has a great season, we know he's coming back. A disaster season, I think we know what's going to happen. But it's more likely to be, Jason, kind of a 
somewhere in between. If it's somewhere in between, who's fighting for Gus to keep him? I think there's, uh, especially the way that things have gone this spring and summer and, and, and in that bowl finish, I think if they can continue some momentum, like I said, I, I think there's going to be some people that maybe last year uh, wouldn't have been there, but with Gus back running the show and calling plays again, kind of being that guy, he, he's been a different guy on and off the field so far. We'll see if that carries over to the season, but I think that could have an impact on this thing as well. I know one thing it's any time now with the way, you know, monetarily and the budgets that are going around the country, the people are, you know, it, it's one of those things to jump up and go, yeah, we're going to get rid of him. We're going to write this check for, for $20 million. That's another thing when somebody says, okay, where's your check? And, and let's, let's see it. And so I think it's going to take more on the disaster side to, to, to make it happen than anything. And, and I think, I think because of that, I think there's been a different mindset for this team, for the staff, because I really believe they feel like they got a chance to go out and, and play well, even though this schedule is really tough. And, um, but I do, I, I don't know that, that, uh, you know, an average, um, six and six, if you play terrible would, would get a lot of people howling, but if it's eight and four, uh, I just think it would have to be a, a very unique circumstance for somebody to come up and write that check. How, with that matchup week one, and I know that, you know, this is what is on a lot of people's minds. What are the expectations there? That's a, that's a huge game week one. I, as a, so I'm a Florida state fan and we've had these go both ways, right? We, we played Ole Miss and really kind of propelled us off to a great season. And then, you know, obviously there's a difference between Ole Miss and Alabama, but then we played Alabama week one, a couple years later, and it totally wrecked us for the next you know, two or three years. So what is the, what is the week one expectation there? I know we've talked about how tough the schedule is, but what's the excitement level? What what are the thoughts around that? How does the fan base think, kind of looking at it? Uh, I think, I think there's an excitement level because of the way this team finished. Um, offensive line really struggled for much of the year last year and, and dealt with some injuries. And really even against George and Alabama, they played better than they had for much of the year. It just didn't, just didn't work as well against them played the Purdue team that had drubbed Ohio State at home, and it was a, just a total mismatch from start to finish, and they played well, they executed. Can they continue that momentum? I think that's the thing that people are waiting to see. Yeah, you have, you know, a new quarterback. You have freshman quarterbacks that are really talented, but, you know, all five starters back on the offensive line, all your running backs returning, have some talented receivers, and you mentioned that defense. I, I, think, I think this defense feels like they got a chance to be better than last year's, and so – put those things together the expectations are that that you go play an Oregon team and I, I think most Auburn fans would say hey that's a game that that we feel like that that Auburn's going to win and so I think the expectations are to go out there and play well and um but the question mark is 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 how will that offense can it click in week one how much can you get done offensively and can your defense go out there and take the next step and be a dominant unit that, that maybe wins a game for you early on in the season. And that's tough to do in today's game of football to have a group like that. But, um, you know, facing an Oregon team that, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, physical, uh, they're going to play much different than most Pac-12 teams people are used to. So I think it could be an intriguing matchup. It's definitely one that we're looking forward to. So the other one that I want to ask you about as well because we, 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 I'll tell you a little bit about this. We started this podcast out of a podcast called The Big Three Roll Up, which The Big Three covers Florida, Florida State, Miami. 
Uh, another one I want to hear you kind of talk about a little bit and kind of give your thoughts is that matchup in Gainesville. Uh, what what are your thoughts there? How I know it's you know a long way until we get there. There's five games before it, a couple of really tough ones before it. But speak to that matchup. Speak to what you kind of look forward to with that matchup in Gainesville, and then I'll pass it kind of back on to Chris. Yeah, um, you know I think you look at Florida. It's such a um, historic rivalry that has gone away because of the way the SEC is now gone because of divisions. And so um, I think you look at the way it's done, and this is the t- opportunity. Auburn hasn't been there in a long time. I mean, it's been um, since you know, West Byron threw a goal as a freshman. I think it was 2007, the last time Auburn was in the swamp. So um, this is an opportunity for fan bases to get back together that don't see each other very often anymore. And that makes this, um, I think, a fun game. And even even better is that you, know, you get Dan Mullen there, the guy that um, Auburn had some really, really good matchups with him in Mississippi State. They're very familiar with each other, and the style of play is very similar. So it, I think it's two teams that, as well, are looking to take a, that next step again. I think you know Florida's obviously chasing, chasing Georgia. Everybody in the West is chasing Alabama. That could be that next step opportunity for one of those two teams. Uh, Gus, I know, loves um, Bonex, and I think the future's good there. You got Joey Gatewood. Uh, your sense, and I know you'll have a better feel for it. We all will once we get into uh, the August practices, but which is right around the corner, of course. Uh, your take, wh- where do you think, uh, I know it will depend upon what happens in August, but what's your uh, forecast a little bit as to where you see this quarterback race competition going? Who do you think is going to start? You know, it, what's intriguing about this one is that you have a guy that's been on campus for a year, has red-shirted, has, you know, gotten to, to play an offense. Now, it's a little bit different offense with Chip Lindsey going to Troy and Gus Malzahn taking it back over, but he's been in college football for a year. Mm-hmm. That being said, Bo Nix is physically older than Joey Gatewood. Mm-hmm. So he's an older, He's older than him. And with Joey Gatewood, when he was playing high school football, you know, he he shared time during his whole career. So that meant half the reps, half the reps in games, half the reps in practice. Bo Nix has been playing since he was an eighth grader. Um, so Bo Nix actually has a lot more experience than Joey Gatewood does, even though, uh, you know, he hasn't been on campus. So I, I really think this one, you know, I know it's kind of copping out. I really think it's going to depend on that first, that first scrimmage, which one of those guys, takes over command of things. And Joey Gatewood's really taken a step forward doing that. Joey, Bo Nick did it from the first time he stepped on campus. But I think right now going into the preseason, you'd have to give Joey Gatewood a little bit of an advantage just because of that history and being on campus, going through bowl practice, all those things. Just got that head start. Well, and this team, you know, I, I think will play well around the quarterback. Um I think they're, they've got really good depth at running back, and I think the offensive line, the experience comes back is going to be pretty good. Do you think? I mean, it's it's you can say this about a lot of a lot of teams, but do you see it as boy they will go as far as the quarterback play will allow them to go? Do you see that 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 could be the difference between hey we just talked about how special of a year it could be or how disappointing? Probably will come down a lot to do with how the quarterback play is. Quarterback in, in any level is always vitally important, but I really think, and I think we saw it last year, 
you had Jarrett Stidham back. You had all those wide receivers back. But I think in Gus Malzahn's system, I think it, it all comes down to how effectively you can run the football and run it when people know you're going to run it. you got to be able to line up and, and run the ball and, and, and convert on third and two situations, do those things, and not be second and, and nine or ten. You know, you got to put yourself in second and six situations where then you dictate what you're doing to the defense. To me, that's the key because if, if – you know, if you can't run the football effectively, you know, even veteran quarterbacks struggle in third and long situations, your freshman quarterbacks are going to struggle. And so I think I think for this system, for this season, with all those veteran offensive linemen back, all those running backs returning, I think you look at Auburn and, and look at their effectiveness running the football against top-tier teams, Oregon, at Texas A&M, LSU, the Alabama Georgia's obviously Florida. The effectiveness running the football in those games, to me, that'll show the story of how this season goes. Well, it ought to be interesting because, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the the way this offense is designed, they tend to pace you a little bit. And, um, you know, really knowing Gus for years, that's when this offense has been humming, they they force a lot of man-to-man situations because you have to play numbers in the box and they, I, you know, it's rare when they don't run the football. Well, I, I, I've always felt like I think Gus, uh, maybe getting pressure or internally outwardly not running the offense was a mistake. So I think it's the right thing for him to do to at least do it with what he does best. And I think he has control of this offense. It's, it's not very varied, but he knows this offense as good as anybody knows any offense. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun because you mentioned, you know, you got Alabama, you got Georgia, you got those uh, in Jordan hair, but then uh, you got some games uh, on the road that are going to be tough. What a tough schedule and what a really good team. I, I think it's one of the great storylines this year and uh, can't wait for them to get it going. Yeah, it's just going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, there, there's so many, so many variables to this season. Uh, get off to a, a hot start and, you got two games in the state of Texas in the first month. Uh, if you come out of those uh, games and, and, and get a couple of wins against Oregon and in, in, in Arlington and at Texas A&M where Auburn has, has not lost, um, then the, the dynamics of this season could change with some young quarterbacks getting their legs under them. So those early games will be really important. Can you imagine, um, you know, winning on the road A&M, starting off 4-0, 5-0, going into Florida and then, you know, I, again, I don't want to get ahead. And certainly as a coach, we, I never like to do it, but now doing, doing some of this, you can kind of look and speculate ahead. I mean, you, you could be, look, you got Arkansas after that could be undefeated going to Baton Rouge. I mean, there are a lot of possibilities yet. We can take it the other way in a couple of, you know, a couple of, uh, yeah. stumbling situations. So yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating with this schedule. A lot of talk about a and schedule because, and, and South Carolina schedule because they both play Clemson, but you know, Auburn doesn't play Clemson, but man, uh, having to play a and and LSU in the West, of course, always having to play Georgia. I think, I think people kind of forget sometimes, you know, comparatively speaking, you know, Auburn and Alabama obviously play every year, but Auburn has to play Georgia every year. And right now, that's a tough thing to do. Alabama doesn't have to play Georgia except for the conference championship game if they get that far. So it's going to be real interesting on the Plains this year. Yeah, yeah, Neil, you're right. Um, you know, the schedule always kind of dictates what you do. And, and these these odd years right now, um, you look and, and you go, no matter where you get Georgia and Alabama, it's difficult. But if you have them at home, at least you – 
you give yourself, you think, at least more of a fighting chance. And that's and that happened two years ago. Auburn made a run and, and made the SEC championship game, and um, even with with a loss in Baton Rouge. And uh, we'll see what this team can do. But uh, um, they're definitely going to have to grow and mature and, and continue to get better as the season goes along. Awesome. Hey, that's great Jason, stuff. Where where can where can people find your work? Where can they hear more about what you write, what you do? Can you give the people your Twitter handle, your 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 sites you write for? I know you guys do a magazine. Can can you let them in on that? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, first, you can follow me on Twitter at itat Jason, itat Jason, and then you can find us. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get to us. Uh, obviously, Auburn 24/7, part of the 24/7 network. Uh, we're inside the Auburn Tigers, but our old uh, our old address will get you there as well. AUTigers.com. Uh, you can get there Auburn Undercover, um, but obviously that 24/7 as well. And then, yeah, we still do an old school magazine. Uh, the ten months a year, we do a football preview guide that we. Uh, we just put out in the first of July, which is kind of our version of what Lindy's and Athlons do—100 pages. But this is all Auburn rosters, breakdowns of opponents, uh, recruiting, all those things. So you can order all that uh, and some story links, all those things. You can check it out at uh, Auburn 24/7. That is awesome. Hey man, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, would love to have you back on sometime after some of these games. I feel like you guys have, a, like we talked about, a big game every week. So you may get sick of us, but appreciate you coming on and hanging out today, man. Thanks for joining Anytime, us. guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. So really good interview with Jason Caldwell. Appreciate having him on the show. You guys go check out again. His, his Twitter is I T A T Jason. Um, inside the Auburn Tigers, I T A T Jason, go check him out. Really appreciate him coming on. Chris, what do you think about that? What do you, what do you think about the Auburn Tigers this year? Well, I think the schedule is daunting. I mean, uh, again, and I mentioned this when talking with Jason, how do you have to sit there with the pressure that Gus is on? I think you can make the case that Auburn is the toughest job in the SEC. Now, let me explain myself when I say that. I'm not saying it's the toughest place to win. It's tougher to win at Auburn. But understand that, excuse me, it's tougher to, it's tougher to win at a, at a, at a place like uh, Vanderbilt. Um, you know, Kentucky, I mean, I, I think <clears throat> Vanderbilt certainly would be the toughest in terms of facilities and academic. That's the toughest job to win at, but you don't have the expectations there. So what I mean by toughest job is, okay, you're expected to compete with Alabama, be just as good as Alabama. They don't think that they take a backseat at all to Alabama. They're fast fan base and they're, they're alumni. They think they're as good as Alabama. Well, they're not. And so the expectation level is the highest it could be as high as anybody. If you win and you win a lot, but you don't win all the time, that won't be good enough. And yet they always have a difficult schedule because they all. And again, in the modern day football, we know that Alabama and Georgia are two of the very best teams in the country. They always have to play Georgia. Alabama does not have to play them, that is Georgia, unless it's in the conference championship game or unless, you know, they get them on the schedule and they don't have them regularly like Auburn has Georgia, the oldest rivalry in in the the Deep South. I, I think it's challenging. You got Georgia and Alabama, which are better teams and more talented teams than Auburn. And then, oh, by the way, on top of that, you got to go on the road to A&M. Go on a road to Florida, go on a road to LSU again, 
to win there the first time it would be the first time since 1999 in Baton Rouge. That's awfully tough. I mean, you could look and say, you know, that I think, and, and I know there be people that will look at it. I, I think seven and five, and I don't think there's any way Gus is back. Yet, I think from a talent standpoint, that's possible. Now, can they go on the road and beat a and I, I think they can. Can they go on the road and beat Florida? Less likely, but they can. Can they go on the road and beat LSU? Not likely, but they can. That's going to be the games. And I know that so much is defined. Listen, you beat Alabama if you're at Auburn. It can kind of save you. And we've seen it save Gus and kind of raise him a little bit. But the inconsistency there, I think, is kind of baffling this Auburn administration. So I just think it's really, really daunting. But I like this team. I just think the schedule's difficult. Love the defensive line. Maybe as good as any in the country. Love Derek Brown. I, I think they've got a few defensive linemen. Nick Coe or, you know, Moultrie, Newkirk, Truesdale, Davidson. Davidson and Cole are high NFL draft picks, and Derek Brown is ridiculously good. So this is a good group. I'm telling you, the secondary is a lot better than people know. It is, we talk about LSU, we talk about Florida, we talk about Alabama secondary. Auburn is right in that conversation. They're very, very good. I like their speed at receiver. They're never going to be great route runners in that offense. That's not what they do. They they don't have a very varied route tree. I like their depth at running back. I think the offensive line returns five senior starters. They're really, really good. So I, I think they'll be able to run the football. I like the fact that Gus is calling the plays. I think it's going to come down to the quarterback position because I, I think they're going to run the ball well. I think they're going to pace people. But can they make enough plays in the passing game to be the difference to go on the road and beat AM, to go on the road and beat LSU, to go on the road and beat Florida? It may not be enough to beat Georgia or Alabama, but it could be enough to win, you know, any one of those three games, any two of those three games, or dare I say, win all three. All of that's on the table. And then, of course, the potential of not tripping up against a Mississippi State. Uh, which is the only other team, I think, along with Oregon, that could possibly, you know, uh, upset Auburn. I, I just think that Auburn is in a pretty good situation from a talent standpoint, but in a very difficult situation from a schedule standpoint. So I think it's one of the fascinating storylines. I think they've got, again, good depth at running back. I think it's the deepest they've been there. And I think Whitlow has got a chance to be a special running back, a difference-making running back. I think uh, the, the running back depth is the best since Gus has had there. So, listen, I think it's going to be a fun year. Uh, the schedule is going to be really, really intriguing to see how they're able to navigate it. So I don't know what to expect in terms of a record. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, well, it would surprise me a little if they go 10-2. and two. I, I think 9-3 and three would be a great year. I think 8-4 and four is, you know, to me – Maybe it does matter if they if they beat a, a Georgia or an Alabama and finish the year. I do think that eight and four looks a little bit more in like a nine and three. But if they don't compete very well against Georgia and Bama and they lose another game, they could he could be in a little bit of trouble. But listen, as Jason mentioned, Auburn, there's a lot of money that they owe this guy. Here's my concern if I were Gus. 
the president is not there and there's really not administratively anybody that's in his corner. And it, it really comes down to at that place, if the boosters want him out and they're willing to pay the money, that is there. This is not going to be a fundraising. It is for Auburn. It's like three phone calls and, you know, uh, three checks and that is it. So they're willing to do that. Uh, but, are they? I mean, you know, how do they feel about it? How, you know, I, I think right now there's a frustration level, and I do think it matters how they play and how they look. I don't think they can have – they've had LSU beat the last two years, and they let them off the hook. That can't happen this year. That happens, and you lose to Georgia and Alabama, maybe lose another game. It, it, I'm telling you, it, it's just not going to work. If you win all of your games, like go on the road and beat AM, beat Florida, maybe beat LSU, and you go ten and two and play Georgia and Alabama well, I, I think there's I don't think there's any way you get rid of the guy. So I think this that margin of in between that's gonna be very interesting to see. It's what a lot of uh a lot of I mean we've done this for several teams now. We've got a few more on both podcasts, but it's what a lot of it comes down to, right? Like you win the games you're supposed to win. These are good teams. Uh, that were that were breaking down in, in Auburn and and especially the next couple of weeks. But you win the games you're supposed to win, and your season is dependent on the you know you're going to lose the games you're supposed to lose, right? Unless something crazy happens, they're not beating Alabama, they're not beating Georgia. Um, they do get the benefit of playing both of those at home this year, but they're probably not winning either one of those. But it comes down to what you do and the other three or four really tough ones. We we haven't really talked about the Oregon one as much. We talked about it more with Jason, but there's another one, you know, that that could go either way. The other thing that it's not accounting for is the the look a game, the look ahead game, and the trap game. Hey, they should absolutely beat Mississippi State. They should absolutely beat Mississippi. Uh, they should absolutely beat Arkansas. But if they have to play Arkansas sandwiched in between Florida and LSU, does that one become tougher? I still think Arkansas is bad enough where, where that one doesn't matter. But uh, you just never know, you know, because every week really is that challenge and it's not looking ahead and it's not getting stubbed up and, and things like that. So it really, like you said, it comes down to those three or four games that kind of make or break their season in a bigger picture, make or break the coach's career in this situation. So yeah, yeah there's, there's a I, lot right on the this. table with them. I say this, they lose to Arkansas Ole Miss, then that, that that's it for Gus. He cannot afford to lose that game. Uh, and I think the same for Mississippi state, although I think Mississippi state's better and boy, if they lose to Oregon, I, I think that's a game that with their schedule, it's going to be tough to build the momentum and win as many games as Gus needs to win. It's possible, but if you lose to Oregon, then you're probably going to have to maybe win all three of those road games, A&M, Florida, and LSU. And that, that yeah. that's a tough ask. So, listen, I think it's a good team, and I think if he gets the team to play well and hard, I think the, the problem is – I think they're very well coached on defense. I love the job that uh, Kenny uh, Kevin Steele does. I, you know, I think the inconsistency of they're really, really up, really, really down, and I think that's driving the major boosters a little bit batty with Gus. So I think it's not just what the record is this year. It's what the record is this year uh, on top of the fact that 
you've had a level of inconsistency. They are the biggest roller coaster team. They have uh, made a run and played for a national title and then be a team that struggles to make a bowl game. And nobody's quite to that degree of, you know, up and down. Yeah, you know, as Auburn is. I think that hurts them more than anything. And I think that's that's would be the concern. Maybe unfair to base it on the record this year. But I think, um, and this is where I would agree, that I think showing stability. I don't think Gus has given away the play calling for the rest of his career at Auburn, however long that is or however short that is. I think he's the play caller from here on out. And I think if he stabilizes that, with the talent they have, it could be a special year. And I think going forward, you know, you've got a good future. If not, we're going to be talking about a change. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, we've broken down our teams. We've got a we've got a scout spotlight this week. We've got some players on here. Do you want to hit those this week? You want yeah, to hold them off? A- absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Kadarius Tony. Uh, and I'm really liking what he's doing with Felipe Franks as they're getting underway, getting ready to to play the the, the Hurricanes early in week zero. Like the way he's developed. I think he's got uh, really good skills, playmaking ability in his hands. I want to talk a little bit. At go to LSU. Talk about their really good secondary. I like the footwork and the hips of Christian Fulton. I think he can play press coverage, plays with good balance, stays on top of his routes. A guy that I think you need to pay attention to out there for AM up front is Justin Matabuki, who's got really good first step quickness. I think he's a good gap penetrator and a 300-pound guy. Really impressive guy. Uh, I like Eric Stokes, his ability at Georgia to play on the outside and really play through the receivers and to the ball. Uh, he um, he had a really good year at forcing incompletions. In fact, it was that forced the, um, the completion percentage of 40% last year, which was the best of all the starting corners in the country. Uh, really good speed. Like him a lot. We talked a little bit about South Carolina and, play at the line of scrimmage. I love Javon Kinlaw. I've mentioned him like his first step, like his hand usage. He's got to learn how to string moves together a little bit, but this guy can move for a six, six, 302 pound guy. I can't tell you enough about how much I love Derek Brown. You're talking about a guy that's six, five, three eighteen. Um, he's gotta be able to, uh, work his secondary pass rush moves, but he can line up on the nose he can line up as a three technique. He can line up as a five technique. And I think he's a top 10 talent in next year's draft and a big time war daddy for the war Eagles this year. For sure. So one more thing, and then we'll wrap this up. We'll put a bow on the podcast for the day and, and move on. But I've got a couple of questions. And mm-hmm. so we've gotten a couple of mailbag questions. We really like this part. We want this to be as possibly as, as interactive as it can be. Um, so if you have any questions, you can shoot those to me. You can shoot those to the SEC football show. You can email myself or Chris. You can put them in direct messages, whatever. We're, we're fine with all of it. We kind of save it all and then try and get through it through the week. But uh, not sure where to post this, but can someone please explain what the love affair is with LSU? They haven't been competitive with Bama in years but they are always mentioned when it comes to the elite programs. What am I missing here? That came from Dave. Well, I think the 
I don't know, the love affair has been that they've had a lot of talent, particularly defensively, and they've had uh, a defense that could line up and play with anybody, anytime, anywhere at a high level, like a national playoff caliber level. The problem has been they've underachieved on offense for quite some time. The quarterback play has been substandard. I think Joe Burrow upgrades it. Every year it's the same thing. The offense is going to change. They're going to open it up. It's going to be better. You watch and see. And it is definitely they oversell. They overpromise and underdeliver in terms of that department. So, look, I mean, you're right. They've not been able to score against Bama. They are no longer when we used to talk. Here's th- This is not the way to examine it, but this kind of puts it in perspective. This is the results that kind of tell you where you are. Remember? few years ago, uh, the game of the year in college football for about a three or four year stretch was Alabama LSU in Tiger Stadium in Tuscaloosa primetime CBS changed the mantra to play the night game. Remember, they did a couple of those Florida, Tennessee games back in the day at night. They went back and they did that. They moved the great nine six game in Alabama to Saturday night. And then LSU said, you're going to do that. You need to have the return game in Tiger Stadium the next year. And they said, we'll be glad to do that. And then again and again and again, they did it. That That is no longer the night game. In fact, I think I may be right in this. I think they play, um, is it, I'm trying to think what game they are picking. It It, it is not the night game for CBS. Well, I know that CBS is going to cover the Georgia Notre Dame game, but Alabama LSU, I'm guessing is going to be a part of the, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the two central time game, three 30 Eastern game, but there's no question that is, that's a rivalry for LSU. I think LSU has always been physical against Alabama defensively, but there's no question that, if you look at it, I think that the future's probably even a little bit better for A&M than LSU to challenge Alabama, but not now. Um, no, it's a fair point. They have not uh, really been a threat, but they also are in a very difficult division with maybe the best team, best program in college football right there with Clemson. Yeah, for sure. No, I I completely agree. I think that it had a lot to do with their talent. They've always had a lot of talent there, but they haven't really – they haven't had that payoff, right? Like, well, I mean, they won a national title, right? Like, uh, you know, they had a, had a great year, but that payoff hasn't been there since then, and they're just yeah, an and above that was, average that was er, team. Yeah, that was early in, in – I mean, Saban's, like, first year back at Alabama, so once he established it – again, let's go back to that 9-6 game, and it wasn't because of that game, but – it, it maybe con- it was contributory, but it hadn't been the same since. Since that time, Alabama has separated itself. And I'm talking about two months later in the championship game, national championship game. Alabama has separated itself uh, from LSU. That used to be, you know, you, you know, knockdown drag out and it costs less miles his job. I think Ed's doing a nice job. I don't think Ed's a guy that's going to catch Alabama. I mean, could they in a given game, beat Alabama. Auburn did it a couple of years. Augusta's beaten Alabama and Nick Saban more than anybody in the league. I mean, no one has yeah. beaten Saban. So I don't think, uh, look, could it happen in a given game? Could LSU do it? 
yeah, it could happen. But LSU's not going to win the West over Alabama. Uh, that's not, to me, where I see this headed. Uh, I, I think it's a race for number two in the West. And quite frankly, I think it's only a matter of time before it's A&M. Got another one for you, and then we'll wrap up today. Can you discuss how Georgia became a recruiting powerhouse so quickly and what Florida has to do to catch up? So this is from Jason, obviously a UF fan, and wants to know your take on that. Well, uh, two things. Um, Kirby Smart was and is a great recruiter. He had a lot to do, obviously, recruiting his home state of Georgia. Uh, when he was at Alabama, that success in that state of Alabama, getting a lot of those great players was a lot to do with Kirby. So he goes to Georgia and the first thing he does, he tells in the process of the interview process before he took that job is I know what it looks like. I know what we need to do and we need to have not just facilities, but we need to have the infrastructure. So what is that? That is a staff that can support everything we need to do to be elite and and that's where hiring all the analysts and things, they have as many analysts as Alabama does at this point. They, they, that, and that's what Tennessee needs to get at. That's what Florida needs to get to. They have done that well, and that's a commitment by the administration with, hey, here's how we're going to do it. Because this is what Kirby needs and what he wants. And let's throw in the fact of this. Um, Georgia, the state of Georgia, has entered the elite group of you know, it's it's Florida, it's Texas, it's California, and any order you want to put it. But if you're going to rank the top five states in terms of producing elite talent, Georgia would be fourth. I mean, they're that good. Now, you've got a place like uh, Louisiana that m- per capita produces more NFL players. Georgia produces more numbers. The Atlanta area, the growth there, phenomenal. Uh, j- so a state that's loaded with talent, the guy that recruits it very, very well, that works as hard at it as anybody in the country and the resources that they've given him. So to answer your question, is Dan Mullen as good a recruiter as Kirby Smart? Well, Dan recruited a certain type of player at Mississippi State. What he will have to do is realize that he's going to need more difference-making type players for the offense and the defense because if you can't match Georgia talent for talent, then you're going to have to outcoach them consistently, which is a big challenge because I think Kirby and his staff is very good as a coach as well. So I think he's going to have to do that well. How does he do it? Well, I think that Dan's going to have to look at structure, and if he needs to add more people, they're going to have to add it. And I'm not talking about just recruiters, but support staff that really makes recruiting go behind the scenes. I think there are things you can do there. I also think that Florida's looking to upgrade facilities. Florida is not where Georgia or Alabama or LSU is in terms of facilities. They let go. They let that go for years. It's the one thing for the good job that Jeremy Foley did. They did not stay up in that regard relative to the, the other program. So you want to know what's different between Florida and Georgia? You know that the the talent level in the state of Florida doesn't take a backseat to the state of Georgia. Facilities are not as good as Georgia. Um, the the support staff is not as good as Georgia's. And I think it's debatable as to whether Dan is willing to get as many of those elite five-star guys as Kirby. So I think all those things factor in. 
They're not far off. I have said that I think we're headed towards a run with Dan at Florida and Kirby at Georgia. That is going to be, I think, classic SEC football on the recruiting end, on the field, because I would give an edge to Georgia in terms of their ability to recruit at that highest level for the reasons that I mentioned. And I think Florida may be just a little bit, a little tad better in terms of what they're able to milk out of, uh, of the roster. I, I think in order to, to beat Georgia and to go to SEC championship games and beat the likes of Alabama, Florida's going to have to get better players. They're recruiting well. Well ain't good enough. I mean, right. you better match Georgia and Clemson and Alabama, or you're not going to beat them. You may be a good coach. You're not going to up-coach them enough to do win it consistently. I'm not saying you can't beat Georgia this year. You might do it. But the point is, is you've got really good talent at Florida, really good talent. You don't have Georgia talent. You don't have Alabama talent. Right now, you're not quite at LSU talent. You out-coached them last year, you know, LSU that is. But you've got to get that elite talent. So how do you do that? How do you do that? I think I mentioned it. Support staff, facility upgrades, that's what you have to do. And it can be done, and it should be done at Florida. And I expect that it will. It, and the only variable then is going to be, can Dan kind of swim in those waters and really you know, get those five-star guys and realize that if he doesn't get a certain amount of those guys to match Georgia, that he might come up a little bit short or else he's going to have to, you know, find a way to not pull a rabbit out of a hat, but consistently out coach a team that has a little bit better personnel. Cause right now Georgia's better. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not a step better. They're about three steps better roster wise than Georgia. So that sometimes has an effect on how you go about getting ready to play them. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I think Mullen's a, a really, really good uh, player developer. Obviously, does a great job with quarterbacks, but it is, you know, it's can he get those, you know, absolute five-star beasts that Kirby's pulling right now? Kirby, George is just on another level. They're on a Clemson slash Alabama type level. And so, you know, that, by that's the, what By the way, do. that's a great point. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want, before I forget it, that's a great point. And, and let me put this in perspective in the personnel side. Georgia is closer to Alabama and in, in Clemson personnel-wise than Florida. You follow me? There, there's the, yeah. Georgia is more in that group. Now, because, oh, but they haven't beaten out. I get it. And we're not talking about the wins and the championships. They're closer to Georgia and Alabama talent-wise than Florida is to Georgia. And I'm not saying Florida is like a big gap between Georgia, but the gap is narrower between Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia, which Georgia would be third. There's a bigger gap between Georgia and Florida. So when that gap begins to close more and more, then I think it answers our our, our question there. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see because I, I think Mullen will definitely be able to develop talent as good as anybody. Um, but can he pull it in as, as good as, you know, other, you know, the big dog right now, no pun intended in the conference. So, um, well, cool. We'll keep sending us those questions. Those are good. Those are what you guys want to hear. So we, we make our own show notes and we get on our guests and we do this and that, but ultimately if you want to hear, you know, 
your input and your feedback and, and your questions and the, the things that are important to you, we can only know that if you tell us. So if you can shoot us messages, we'll be happy to kind of go over that stuff. Um, Chris, I think that wraps it up, man. These go by pretty quick, but, uh, had a good time with you today, man. Anything else before we wrap? No, just great uh, to be with you and great to have our fans out there. And as uh, TJ said, send us your questions. We're here for you. So uh, I know as we get to the season, there'll be um, issues you want to you want to get addressed. Do it. Heck, we're here to answer your football question. So uh, address it to us here and we'll be glad to address it. it listen, it's a ton of fun. It's going to be a blast talking football all year long, taking you, guiding through this football season. Awesome. We'll see you same time next week. Go check out the big three roll up. Go check out LandryFootball.com. Chris Landry's college football show is pro football show. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thank you so much, man. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus